in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here. Broadcasting live from the greatest city in the world. Austin, Texas, baby. It's Bucky and Aaron. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. B and E. What's B and E? Bucky Godbolt, Aaron Hogan on the Horn 1049 AM 1260 and hornfm.com with the Longhorns play and Austin Talks Sports. It is a Monday final hour. Feature a conversation with Glenn Davis from Soccer Matters. Preview his show tonight, but also recap the big win for the U.S. men's national team on the soccer pitch. Beat Mexico, beat Canada, didn't allow a goal in these CONCACAF matches. We'll talk with him about that. Also, the other winners in uh, good, bad, and ugly from the weekend. The winners in good would be uh, Wyndham Clark. Great golf name, but Wyndham Clark out of Denver, Colorado. Went to Oklahoma State for a bit and then off to Oregon as a transfer. Now he's a U.S. Open champion, final round 70, to hold off Rory McIlroy by a single stroke. Rory this close, just like he was last summer at the Open Championship when Cam Smith beat him. And the round's very similar. He didn't make enough birdies last July. And in this round, only one birdie and then one bogey and then a bunch of pars. And He'll let it enough. go. He'll let it go next month. Well, he has a chance at Hoylake. He won there. And he grew up playing mm-hmm. those courses. So Scotty Scheffler and Ricky Fowler also on that leaderboard. But uh, Ricky Fowler, ugly. Ugly yesterday with a 75 after that 62 on Thursday and holding the lead through the weekend. But uh, Ricky Fowler still not a major champion in the golf world. Uh, we've also got the Longhorns with two new commitments. A defensive back who is the son of former NFL All-Pro Adrian Wilson. His name is Santana Wilson. And uh, the speedster, Freddie DuBose. It's pretty clear Steve Sarkeesian... If you don't run four fours or faster, you're probably not going to play wide receiver no, for him. They're looking for fast dudes. <laughs> they're looking for speed. Uh, everybody can run, but Freddie Dubose can do just that. Good stuff with our man uh, Jerry Hamilton last hour. Uh, also, College World Series, six games played, all five of them by one run decisions. Really good baseball. The team that's uh, in the driver's seat right now is Florida. They're two and zero in that bracket. Wake Forest plays LSU tonight. That winner will be two and zero. Rangers with another 11-run output. They're playing yeah. well in baseball. Congrats to the Boston Red Sox, to Yo, the Sox. Look at you being a nice fan. But what the Sox. hell? Here, I'm nice, but what the hell is that? What are those unis, that parakeet yellow? Those are they... their city uniforms. Oh. Each each team on Sundays, city? has like once a month, will play where their city uniform. It's like how the Rangers were wearing those like black uniforms. The Astros wear those like Space Invaders looking things, Space City. Down Houston with red socks and yellow. Well, maybe it is. Yeah, they look like something out of a soccer team or something, but those red. But, yeah, they did sweep your Yankees this weekend, so it was bad for the Yankees. Astros got swept by this upstart Reds team that uh, a lot of young talent there. Astros are a mess right now with the injuries. And so these, uni- these well. unis aren't throwbacks. They're throwout unis. Is that what they call them? Wear them once and then throw them out? I'm not sure what I the- think they're paying homage to one of their – Older uniform color scheme. I don't, I don't know. know. Something like that. I will say the ugliest thing of the weekend, though, is the Bob Huggins story. How about this? If you go to that police report, which is now out from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, alarming. He blew a 210, a .210, which is ridiculously intoxicated. He failed multiple sobriety tests and then blew the, the .210. Uh, he was unable to explain how his tire got shredded. He didn't know. And he was driving on it. He didn't. He couldn't say where he was. He showed them a Burger King receipt from several hours earlier. He could not explain how he got from the Burger King to the north side of Pittsburgh. He said he thought he was in Columbus, Ohio, 
which is 185 miles away. That is jammed up now. Empty beer cans in a garbage bag were found on the passenger side. More bottles in the trunk with an empty cooler. Ooh, empty cooler. He's rolling around with the cooler. He's doing the cooler road trip thing deal. I wonder that. When is this body cam footage going to come out? I mean, that scene, scene at the intersection must have been something. Well, he was downtown, like in a little town area. People to, were like, oh, hey. He was trying to pull out. Bob, Hug- Bob Huggins. It's yeah, not then, Bob Huggins, is it? Yeah, it is. Huggy Bear. Well, then he tried to pull out. Or get, and then, then when he got out of the car, because they stopped him because he was trying to pull out and was having a hard time. And then as he got out of his driving, mean, he was driving an SUV, so climbed down from the seat. And like the police officer said, he fell back into the driver's seat, stumbly. I mean, just, again, fortunately, he drove a long way, it appears, with a lot of alcohol in his system. And fortunately, Nobody died. he was not killed and he didn't kill anyone. It's the only thing good you can say about it. But he is no longer the coach of West Virginia. Didn't want that gig, huh? Well, that's that's just out of control. Uh, to think you're in Columbus when you're in Pittsburgh, to not know that you're in Pittsburgh, to not know how you got from where you ate lunch or dinner, your Burger King receipt, how you got to the where you were from there. Yeesh, yeesh, yeesh. That's uh, that says guys. That sounds like prescription drugs and alcohol right there. Well, possibly, never know. But uh, we'll see. That, uh, that he's no longer. He's the third winningest coach in D1 history. Mike Shashevsky, Jim Beheim, Bob he's, Huggins. He's got some issues. Let's hope he gets the help he needs at this point because he won't be coaching the uh And he doesn't look like the healthiest dude I've ever seen. No. Bob Huggins has always looked like he goes hard. You know what I mean? He we, goes hard, yes. He does. He does. We talked about the, uh, the the Vegas situation back in the day. He had another DUI back in the day. But, you know. So he goes to brunch hard, yeah. <laughs> goes to brunch. He does it all hard. Uh also, a couple of other uglies from the weekend. You, you know, you know the uh, the hip hop singer BB Rexa there, Ty. No, BB Rexa. Is that how you say it? Do I say that right? R E X A. BB Rexer. BB Rexa, big butt lady. She was on a stage singing in uh, New York last night. Got hit in the hit in the face with a cell phone. Ooh! Somebody fired a cell phone right at her face. I'm not laughing at her, but she had to leave the stage. She struck in the head and face area with the cell phone. That didn't go well for her. Uh, one other note, uh, the Longhorns are going to dodge this, but did you see that the uh, the son of Master P, remember Master P? You sure. remember Master P back in the Ricky Williams yeah. contract day? I'm bout about it. What's that? He sings bout about it, Is that he? it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, his son apparently is a top recruit from California, and he is committed to play high college basketball at uh, the University of Houston. Said he was hell bent on playing for Duke, and then... Uh, Met Kelvin Sampson and decided I want to go to Houston. So he'll be coming to Houston in 2024. Longhorns will be into the SEC by 2024, but Houston will be. Kelvin a... Sampson can recruit, can he? What's that? He can recruit, huh? Well, he's a charismatic guy. Runs a you know, he's a really good basketball coach for sure. He's had his issues, whether it's at Oklahoma or Indiana, and he had to go off to the NBA for a while. But that's a big time get. And his son's name is Mercy. Mercy, uh, masterpiece kid going. Mercy to P. Mercy, Mercy P. P. Yeah. yeah, let's go to the Vaqueros hotline. He's got a uh, cool name too because he's Glenn Davis. Our man Glenn Davis with his great show Soccer Matters, talking all things football and all things U.S. Men's National Team. Uh, he is Glenn, and he'll be on tonight seven o'clock, seven to eight with his show. But a little preview of that and some soccer conversation on a Monday. Uh, good morning, Glenn. Aaron Bucky, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, by the way, uh, Master P is probably a little co- cooler than Glenn Davis. <laughs> yeah, Master P, Glenn Davis. 
Uh, hey, what you make of uh, this this U.S. Men, men, U.S. men's national team and the performance in the Concacaf? Uh, you know, t- tournament here. I mean, went win over Mexico, went over Canada last night. Uh, looks like they're they're playing some pretty good soccer. No, there's a lot of optimism right now, despite all the controversy around it. You know, that whole uh, Reina and Berhalter thing, and Berhalter being rehired. But boy, if you look at these two games, they won them in very different ways. Uh, one of the big talking points was Fowler and Balogun, who's an Arsenal guy that is on loan at Rems in France and is banging in a bunch of goals. He committed to the U.S. This is the first tournament he's played. Basically, probably just met these guys. He scored last night against Canada in the final, which, uh, you know, they won 2-0. But, you know, that big point of contention, the striker position in the World Cup, I I think this is exciting. They found an answer. Now, the other really interesting thing is is that Gio Reyna played – as a number 10 in midfield, okay? So before that, he was, they were trying him as an inverted winger, which didn't make a lot of tactical sense in the World Cup. He is now, I think, under the microscope right now because, you know, everybody's watching his behavior, his commitment to his teammates. He was absolutely wonderful, played fantastic last night, had two assists in the 10 position, worked without the ball, which was, other, was another criticism of his game. So there's a lot of new possibilities coming together here, and they won the tournament. So uh, with the World Cup here in 2026, you know, I think people are going to pretty much put a benchmark of, you know, the semifinals is the goal. You know, Glenn, with both the player wow. the player and the coach, I mean, let bygones be bygones. It's worked uh, for the betterment of the team, it looks like. And, I mean, for both of their futures, as a matter of fact, they, they need to let this whole thing rest because, it, it you know, that, it's a team sport. It's not the coach versus one individual player. They got to get that thing together for 2026, and it looks like it's on the right path. Well, what about Burkhalter being uh, being back as their their coach? There, you you feel pretty confident about that? I mean, I thought he was building something there. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think he is. There's a lot of people in two schools of thought that you know you only get one cycle with the team, but this guy took a very young team. It's a lot of criticism of him. I'll, I'll tell you, and there's a lot of criticism of him coming back. I, I don't necessarily think it's fair. There's a lot of dynamics and context to this thing. Um, remember, when he was hired, his, his, his brother was a part of U.S. soccer. They didn't right. even interview Tata Martino, who was also available. So you go from that to then him doing some very, very good work. And listen, I don't think he's back unless Christian Pulisic and the, and the players wanted him mm-hmm. back. We saw the players play for him in the World Cup. So that's the dynamic that gets him back now. You know, he's going to have to sort things out with, with, with Reyna. I don't believe he's the type of man that's going to hold anything against anyone. And I'll tell you what, you know, what what the Reyna parents did to him was disgraceful, in my opinion, and I'll never move off that position um, with, with what they were doing behind the scenes. But I think Gio, uh, with the performance last night, with the way I saw his teammates with him, uh, this is a wonderful moment for him to mature his career right. as an athlete, and out of the darkness comes comes light sometimes, right? Yeah, obviously that yep. uh, you know parent situation had Austin tentacles and uh, Claudia uh, Claudia Arena, and now Gio, their son, and that whole situation with the mom, uh, really ugly. But Burhalter back. There were a lot of people that thought maybe B.J. Callahan, the interim manager, would uh, be a better better choice. But I think you said it right, Glenn. That 
you know, if the players, the leaders of the team are good with it and wanted him back, uh, that speaks volumes. Uh, speak to us about the uh, the newcomer. I mean, we, we I know when it happened that morning, our text line blew up with Balogun coming in and, uh, you know, people saying this is the striker we need, this is the goal scorer that can take us to the next level. And, boy, we saw that. I mean, this guy is a goal scorer, and that's – that's what's been the ceiling for this U.S. Men's, US men's national team on an international stage is getting you know, the, the ball in the back of the net. This guy can do that. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you tracked him and watched him, you know, he was at Arsenal and they went out on loan, but he's got all, a bunch of different qualities. Number one, he can run the channels. He's a vertical threat behind defenses, so you have to honor that. He can also check back to the ball and combine with people. And he can also, you know, on his own, create his own chance, right? So he's, he's, he's got the whole bag of tricks. He's young. This is what we love about this team. They're young. They're guys that want to play for each other. And I, I truly believe he looked at this group of young guys and said, you know, I want to be a part of that. Well, and the World Cup comes to the United States in 2026, and obviously they'll be building to that. Uh, and, and uh, you know, Burhalter is now back in control, so maybe, you know, the controversy or at least the, the uh, criticism of it, that'll die down over time, and this will be a fun team to watch uh, continue to develop with, with a lot of youth that was there last year and made a bit of a, bit of a spark and now may have their best chance when on home turf uh, starting in 2026. What about our Austin FC squad? 19 points are sitting way down there at 12th place in the Western Conference. Obviously, we talked all year about how rough of a season it's, it's been. Uh, injuries have been a problem, but um, you know, Josh Wolf under fire here in Austin. What's your, what's your read on you know, past halfway now? Uh, what, what needs to happen for Austin FC to get back in the mix? Yeah, I think player performance is a big part of it. I, I think all the elements of this team, whether it's coaching, man management, player performance, you know, there's been just so many dynamics, you know. I do want to mention there there's one guy that left this team that was a tremendous leader, and he has been sorely missed, and that's Ruben Gabrielson. You guys remember when he was signed. But he, you know, he he is a huge loss. I just think they've had so many different things going on here, and and I can understand the fans being upset, yet you're still very close to a playoff spot. That's the way MLS works. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Diego Fagundes. Looks like he's carrying a little bit of extra weight. He's not having the season he had last year. You know, Ring had to drop back. Um, Josh Wolf seems to run out of, uh, uh, you know, answers right now. So I think there's a lot of dynamics going on, but this is a league where you can eventually get things figured out. But yeah, it's going to come down to the entire group here. And I think the fact that there is some healthy pressure, that's not a bad thing. You know, I, I agree with you about the healthy pressure, but the word flat seems to be the way they look right now. And they have looked. I mean, I mean, really kind of throughout the season, Glenn, yep. it's just been just kind of flat. I mean, no, not very much excitement whatsoever within this group. And that generally, that's the stuff that comes yep. down on the coach is the word flat. That that Everybody starts to think, well, the, maybe that's because the coach is flat. He hadn't made enough real, real moves. But as you said, there's been injuries to this team, uh, but the words flat is still hanging out there for this team. I agree with this. This is a really good thing you're bringing up. And listen, we saw last year how aggressive their press was at times and things. And a lot of times I watch it this year and, and it is, it is flat. It's, it's not everybody on the same page. Yep. It's not sharp. Um, you got a DP that hasn't lived up to it. And Emiliano Rigoni, despite the fact that, you know, he's mobile and he's active. He just doesn't produce a lot of assists and goals. Um, and, and I think he's an excellent player. It's just not happening for him in MLS when it comes from the productions category. And 
you know, we all know the designated player in Major League Soccer has to be the guy that puts you over the top, right? Yeah. Um, those three slots have to be your best players. And um, as much as he's been active and all, uh, it's not really happened for him. So I think it's a combination of things. Um, it's a difficult situation to dig out of, but, you know, look, it is MLS and there's a transfer window. Uh, there's opportunity to maybe make some moves. There's players that have to improve their performance also. So I, I think it's a combination of all these things. Glenn, do you think the Heat can work to their advantage here? I mean, they've been in this for the last three to the last two years. I mean, is there a possibility that we could see this group and these teams that come in here just kind of wilt under this, you know, under this heat and this team really take advantage of it? Yeah, for their that's advantage? always the prevailing thought, uh, Bucky. That's always the prevailing thought in Texas that you can. But, you know, it's hot in a lot of other places around the country. And mm-hmm. actually – between Houston and Austin, because of the way the stadium is and the four corners are open in Austin, you do get a decent airflow there. Whereas down here, it's like <laughs> I, I grew God up in Houston. I know. I heard a company to create a bowl of a stadium, but they did, and it and it's it, it's atrocious. But I think there's two schools of thoughts to that too. It can also it also can bang you too if you're playing in yep. it each and every day in training in it because and that's my thought. I remember back in the eighties, I had to break little ammonia packets and sniff them in order to like, I, I'd be in like a brain fog, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I grew up down there. It, it'll wear you out for where's an opponent. Out, I think uh, just living in that will, will suffocate you over the course of a summer. And we're dealing with that right now. It does feel like Austin, uh, Houston up in Austin right these days with these um, humidity meets the heat. Hey, Glenn, last thing, the, uh, the ugly situation with the Mexico game, and the homophobic chants and had to shut the game down, and obviously the rivalry with Mexico and the U.S. men's national team uh, getting more and more heated, a real physical you know, tackle and almost a bench-clearing situation. What was your whole take on all the how all that went and then the officials ending the game early? Yeah, listen, this is a typical Mexico-U.S. game. Uh, the thing that really bothered me the most was the fact that um, – two U.S. players got into that garbage with a 3-0 lead and got sent off and affected their team for the final, which, you know, ultimately we saw the depth prove out. Um, Personally, that chant has been going on forever. I don't think it's because the Mexican fans are actually homophobic. It's a word you should not use. There's no question about that. The whole idea of that is to get into the head of the person taking the goal kick and chanting that right ahead of it does not make it right. It's wrong. It should be eliminated from the game. But, you know, I, I just think at this point, it's strength in numbers with people, right? That's where you get a lot of courage. I don't know how you're going to do it without doing something really harsh to the Mexican Federation from its standpoint of, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, penalizing them. But at the end of the day, I think we're bringing too much attention to it sometimes, and yeah. maybe that just keeps it going. I, I don't know what the answer is. It, it's not an easy situation. Yeah, agreed. Uh, all I right, agree good with stuff, you. Glenn. I'm sure there's uh, more of this coming tonight, 7 o'clock, with uh, Soccer Matters back on at its normal time. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna give some Gold Cup tickets away as well, so people be ready to call in tonight. Guys, thanks so much for having me on. Always good to talk to you, Glenn. Glenn Davis. There you go. He is uh, the best, and we appreciate getting him. And you can hear more of him uh, tonight with uh, Soccer Matters. Always really insightful, really sharp conversations about uh, 
the world's most popular sport. Yeah, you know what the, I have not seen that stadium down in Houston, but he said it's a bowl. I mean, that must be a yeah, it's just like west a of downtown. Soup, wet, nasty, yeah, west humid. Of, right, right west of downtown Houston. Oh. And it's, it's not far from Minute Maid Park. You just got to cross I-10 there and uh, head over. But, it, yeah, I mean, look, what, what, what we're dealing with in Houston, in Austin right now, it does feel like if you grew up in Houston summertime, this is the, like the, this humidity <laughs> meeting with the, uh, the the triple-digit heat is just what's it was so oppressive. And it's why they, even into the 60s, they if they're going to have a baseball team playing, they had to put a, they had to build the Astrodome. They just did. There was no yeah. way. And it's it's also the reason why even in Arlington, in Arlington and, in, in, you know, Dallas, not as humid as, as, as Houston, but still plenty hot, they, you know, that beautiful ballpark at Arlington, they just needed to put a roof on it. And yeah. so they, that beautiful park that sits there is still nice. It just didn't have a roof. So they had to build a brand new stadium with the roof. I, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, you could think that Austin can wear people down. but Yeah, but you're right. You've got to practice in it. And if you're you, more it, likely to wear it. By the way, if your team is flat and you're practicing this all the time, and now you think you're going to get the advantage over a team coming in here. It's fresher than you. Yeah, it may not work that way. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've talked about that, that, that. That's part with the Rangers. They felt like they were getting worn down. They, they, they couldn't – it was so hot that to try to go out and take batting practice at 4 or 5 o'clock ahead of a 7 o'clock game, hell no. I would just talk – I would talk my team into – I'd try to talk no, my team into – Just a, wear them down. We're in better shape. We can do this. We're going to bring them in here, and they're going to we, – we're used to this. Not over 162 ball games. Yeah. Um, you know, it's to me, it's not like altitude. Like the Denver Nuggets play at altitude, sure. and they live in it, so that's an advantage. When a sea level team comes to altitude, and they've got a you know, they can, couple the, games in there, yeah, they got to try to adjust to that quickly. You are used to it. I don't know that you get used to this heat. I mean, it's no, it just it wears you out. No, as I said, if your team is is pumped up and you're playing well, then it may work to your advantage. But if your team is flat and is hot. It, it it's not going to work. Well, and again, that goes back to a team like the Rangers, who felt like they couldn't even go take batting practice or fielding practice. Like they, they couldn't take ground balls. It was like the, over time, the manager's like, "Man, I'm just wearing my group out here. Uh, we got a ball game tonight. It's going to be plenty hot at seven o'clock when we go out there to play the game. Uh, we don't need to be out here in the middle of the afternoon." Yeah, I never could understand that with the Rangers ballpark. I was like. This is so beautiful. This thing is. Be- I guess when the fans sat in there, it must have been hot as hell. Those well, well, the fans those stopped chairs. coming. The fans stopped coming, even though if it's a good team, I'll watch it on TV. I'm not sitting out there for three hours, <laughs> and that's what the fans of Houston knew with the Astrodome and then Minute Maid Park that you know that come and sit in the air conditioning. And the Rangers in year one at Globe Life were all right, man. To be out here taking infield in the middle of the afternoon and it's cool <laughs> before whole the game dying, game. whole different ball game. I still would rather go to a game at the old one outside though during the day. It just feels like more of a baseball game to me. I'm with you, but at some point you got to do it. But yes, it is hot. We'll come back. We roll on. Good, bad, and ugly Monday here on Beanie. It's Bucky and Aaron. I came to bring the pain, hardcore from the brain. Good Monday for sure. Taking your thoughts on the U.S. Open. Some people didn't like it, thought it was boring and stodgy, and the crowds were lame. Yeah, none of that. None of that. What's what's up with that? Because the top 1% don't say mashed potatoes. <laughs> Get in the hole. Get in the hole. They sit on their hands and don't cheer much. Um, got too much money in their ears. You know what I'm saying? Man. And that's who mostly were making up the galleries there of luxury boxes at the U.S. Open at the uh, L.A. Country Club. We mentioned if you break it down, they only had about 5,000 seats, tickets for – you start spreading 5,000 fans around a whole golf course, that's not a lot. Uh, but, you know, they, they also put it in prime time. Some people were upset about the, uh, the ease of the course and also the, uh, the late starts even on the West Coast. But either way, I thought it was fun to watch. I enjoyed watching uh, when I could. And uh, I actually liked on Thursday seeing, you know, scoring and them going after it, trying to, you know, break records. Uh, and in the end, how about this number? 
Ricky Fowler didn't win the event, but he he posted more birdies in a four-round U.S. Open than any player ever has. Ever has. He also led the field in bogeys. Wow. <laughs> Which, uh, he, I think he had, I mean, i got to add up the number. I think the, the number of birdies is crazy. I mean, he had 10 on uh, on Thursday alone. I mean, he was uh, he was unreal. But, you know, contrast that with Rory McIlroy, who became conservative Rory and just kind of tried to, to stay. Well, he went in like that. That's yeah, what he, he thought he was going to be. That was his game plan. Yeah. And Ricky Fowler went in with the game plan. I'm going after this course. I know this course. I'm a California kid. I'm going to attack it. But that's what, the, to me, that number with, with both Rory and with him and Wyndham Clark, like that, that course is, you got to take the birdies that are there. Uh, but you, you can't, because Rory also led the field in bogeys. So being aggressive. Yes, it paid off with birdies, but it also hurt him uh, with with the aggressive play, because if he could have cut those bogeys down and been a little more conservative, he would have been fine. But he ends up shooting seventy five yesterday, and the, the number of bogeys just an alarming number for him. Led all led all players that played into the weekend in bogeys made. Uh, Scotty Scheffler's problem continues to be his flat stick and his putter. Uh, he's still a, you know as good as any player on the planet. I know degree. he doesn't like to hear about it, but my goodness, those four or five footers that hit those corners on him. Then he had a couple that he just once again he just flat out pushed and didn't touch the hole. Yeah, he's uh, he got to fix that. I think those were more on birdie putts than par putts this week, though. He missed a couple. I mean, I, I know yesterday he was still in the mix because I I kept thinking because I was following Justin Thomas was doing a Twitter thing because twi- by the way Justin Thomas shot an eighty one. Justin's not playing good golf right now. Did he cry about it? No, no. He he, he was hanging and drinking wine. He said with uh, Max Homa. Who also didn't play well. No, those guys. Were, so they were doing commentary on the round, and they had played the course. I think Justin shot eighty-one. I think I read that somewhere, but I'll look it up. But yeah, so they were just talking about how the course, how I was going to play, and predicting, and you know, they kept saying, "Man, those, 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 you know, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen are really tough, and it's firming up, and um, it's going to be a challenge." You know, if you get to seven or eight under, they can they come back to you, which is credit to Wyndham Clark. He never did come back at all. Wobbled a little bit through fifteen, sixteen, and then Rory. I think Rory was kind of counting on him, backing up a stroke or two to to put it right there at eight or nine. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. And then Rory made the bogey. Unfortunately, I remember he got the great break on the bunker. He, he you know, Rory typically bombs. Probably got it. the great one when he went over in the other fairway. Yeah. Well, on the there's only two par fives on a par seventy course, and he had a chance. And this is an example of Rory being conservative. Normally, he'd go forward in two. Sure. On fifteen, and he didn't. He laid up. And now he's got a wedge in his hand, and you know, again, the the difference between remember he embedded the ball in the in the back of the, the that green. He got the ruling that was favorable to be able to, to drop a club length outside the bunker, but that ball was a foot from being a great shot. If it if it gets one foot further, it was going to hit the, the the fringe there on, the, off, on the edge. Take of the bunk- off some of the juice off it. Yeah, yeah. slowed it down, and it would have rolled right up near the pin. And who knows? That would have been a, a, a birdie putt. And instead, it got embedded, and he got to he got to drop it, but he still made bogey uh, out of that situation. That really was the difference in the mat in, in the uh, tournament. He was a stroke back of of uh, Wyndham Clark, but um, yeah. So conservative Rory, and he he was asked afterwards, you know, what did you what do you learn from this and the Open Championship? And he said, you know, you can be conservative, but sometimes you got to make birdies. And he felt pretty, still felt pretty good about his game yesterday. Yeah, he yeah. Thinks he's. And I, I think he's, he looked pretty good, too. My guys are always trying to use the embedded ball rule. I said, no, that's just called a fried egg there. That's not embedded anywhere. That's just you. An <laughs> embedded <laughs> ball in a sand trap. In the, in the sand trap. No, his was in the a, side of the trap. Oh, like yeah. The, it has the, the dirt. Part. Yeah. Uh, this says, E, you're right. JT shot 81 on Friday. Whew. 
Yeah, he's not playing well. Uh, see, it can happen. And that's the thing about people saying the course was too easy. That course was plenty hard if you look at oh, some yeah, of the scores out there. There were plenty of dudes struggling. But that's the kind of course I love, that if you're strategic about it and put the ball where it needs to be. Well, it gave you be, opportunities. Yeah. You, even some of the par fours like you could go for. There are some courses they play in the U.S. Open that just beat the hell out of everybody. Like, oh, there yeah. is no opportunity. There is no... Ask Tom Kite. He doesn't like that U.S. Open rough. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just it's so long, and it takes every it takes the long the short knockers out of play, and it just wears everybody down. This course, if you were strategic about it, you know, put the ball where it needed mm-hmm. to be, well, the course would be kind to you, but it would also be very difficult, as we saw guys hacking it around. And uh, our man Jordan Spieth with a huge f bomb after a bad no. Trip. Oh yeah, talk about a guy that needs to be an athlete, Jordan Spieth. <laughs> Jordan. Yeah, and he generally does come up with some of those great shots out of the bunkers, but he, he I didn't I didn't see much of him. I was wondering like when did he disappear? It must have been Saturday after Saturday's round. Yeah, he didn't uh, he did not do much. Scheffler did. Scheffler did. Scheffler's right there, and he'll be in the mix for the uh, the Open Championship. Oh, I was definitely waiting Hoylake. for for um, what's his cat when he's in that bunker after the second. Couldn't get out of the bunker. No, Shoffley. I was waiting for the big F bomb. I'm like, you. there's no way that you're going to take another swing. He took four to get out. I'm like, there is no way you're not going to drop something there. By and the he way, didn't. He was just kind of California light, just kind of bouncy around. I'm like, damn. By the way, the new thing, I don't know if it's a new thing, but the, the thing now on Father's Day is for your kids or you to do like an Instagram post, which I didn't do. My, my Two of my kids did, though. I appreciate the heck out of it. My daughter and my son did a nice – a happy Father's Day, Dad, and a picture of us together, which was nice. Uh, but a lot of guys are doing it for their kids. And mm-hmm. Tom Brady, Tom Brady put all put out all kinds of stuff. Tom was of all his kids. Well, first of his, first of his dad, and then he put pictures of his three boys or three kids and uh, pictures. But my favorite one from the yesterday was Sean McVay, the head coach of the L.A. Rams. Yeah. He had an extra special Father's Day. He posted a picture with his wife Veron- Veronica Coleman. Announcing that uh, she's going to have a baby, so he'll be a father a little over a year for them, by right? next Father's Day. Yes, and uh, yes, yeah, she is. She was the, the where's she from? Like uh, the Ukraine, Ver- Veronica with a K, Coleman, and yes, he's it's kind of like the Derek Jeter thing, like he married the lady that can make, make the horse talk, right? In the commercial, yeah. I think Veronica. Yeah, I was asking, how many too. kids does Jeter have by now? Does he have? I mean, I see these car commercials. He and his wife are in the commercials. Are those their kids yeah. too? There's like three of them, and they're they're all looking three. like they're. I think it's three, three, four, and five, like all girls. Yeah, I think so. Um, because he's still married to her. Remember, he was yeah. such, he was a bachelor for so long, uh, all through his playing career. Didn't feel like that would work while he's playing, but now he's retired and he's married. He's got three kids. He's got three girls. He not have, no, have, have the doesn't have the man juice. Now Sean McVay is going to have uh, have a child. Good for him. He'll so be, he's going to retire after this year. Yeah, and I think Ver- could be. I think Veronica was was friends with whoever Cliff Kingsbury. Remember when Cliff Kingsbury got fired and he went to wherever with whoever? Was it the Hot Coaches Club? Yeah, yeah. Uh, remember he went to like Barbados or something with? Uh, oh, that's right. For the month. No, oh, no, he went to he went to Taiwan, didn't he? Uh, no, was that, was that when he got fired? Yeah, yeah. Just got away. I from think it was month. in Asia. He went somewhere. Bangkok. Oh, yeah, he, went to <laughs> he went to Bangkok. He went to Bangkok. That's right. He did go to Bangkok. Yeah. Literally. Uh, what about <laughs> Fleetwood 63? Yeah, Tommy Fleetwood. And, you know, he posted the best number of the day yesterday, but was too far back. Jordan Spieth missed the cut. He did. Uh, yep, just saw that. So there you go. And uh, coming up, the, the maybe the best of the weekend, he wasn't a very good owner, but our man Michael Jordan has added to his billions.
added to his billions. We'll get you the details next year on Beanie. It's Bucky and Aaron. Appreciate our man Craig Way for uh, clearing something up. Those uniforms the Boston Red Sox were wearing last night, they are their City Connect uniforms. But uh, it, it's a tribute to the Boston Marathon and the Marathon bombing victims. Uh, so that's where those, and they swept your Yankees so good. I don't know who's yes. playing worse, the Yankees or the Astros. I don't ever think my team will ever be wearing those kind of outfits. Rangers scored double digits again. Yeah, Yankees, the one team that Craig has told us doesn't have the City Connect unis. They, they just do the pinstripes, you know. They do, we are the Yankees. Yeah. Which I like. I well, do like that. Because they're, they're it's always retro with them. Well, you have hundred and what is it, how many world championships? Twenty seven. Twenty seven. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Pre pre wartime. <laughs> pre wartime. It's been a while. Yeah, how many championships have the Astros won since the Rangers since the Yankees won one? Right? It's been like two. Oh. <laughs> Wait, look, this is not the Astros year. They've they've been to four World Series and had a chance to win. Gosh, I still can't believe they didn't win that Washington one. But either way, they won two of them. And uh, this is this year is not they're not trending into the team to to beat the Jordan Alvarez injury is crippling for them because he got hurt hurt his oblique and they don't they weren't scoring a lot of runs outside of him before the injury. Rangers meanwhile have scored double digits seventeen times now. They lead baseball in runs per game and they got a nice win uh, yesterday coming from behind. They're down six nothing against the Blue Jays. Came back to win that ball game. So uh, those uh, two teams going in opposite directions. And I mentioned Shohei Otani, who leads the Angels in all offensive categories and all pitching categories, has now got his team into first place or second place in the American League West. They've gone past the Astros, who have fallen to third place, and they're four and a half back of the Rangers. This morning. Yeah, he's helping that ship rise. I mean, he's been doing it for years. an amazing number. I mean, he leads them in every offensive category, 24 home runs now, and he leads them in every pitching category, significant one. Even like stolen bases. Yeah, he does. Yeah. I think he does in that, too. I believe he does. I saw the stat yesterday. It's dumb. Can we play this Chris Paul sound? Because we mentioned Chris Paul was doing a hit on Good Morning America this morning. He was flying in there to see uh, to do an interview. He's got a new book coming out that he's written uh, with Chris Paul. It's getting time uh, for TV for him. And it was he was, I guess, he, here's the thought about, hey, you know you've been traded <laughs> to, as part of this deal for, for Bradley Beal. Here was Chris Paul's reaction. I'm driving in this morning, and we got the ticker tape thing outside of our building. What is it? And say? I see this potential blockbuster deal between you and Bradley Bill that may take you from Phoenix to Washington and vice versa. Hmm. I was surprised. What are your first thoughts on that? I was surprised, too. <laughs> <laughs> I found out on the plane yesterday flying here for this. You know, in this league, anything can happen, so you just... Figure out what's next. Mm. You literally found that on the plane. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. What was your first reaction? <laughs> don't push him any further. He's trying to be nice about yeah, it. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah, he'll be doing TV shortly anyway. He's got some insurance to sell. That's true. Ooh, He's yeah. commercial guy. Yeah, he makes commercials now. Okay. Well, I mentioned Michael Jordan, and Michael Jordan. You know, let's all admit Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time, but he was not a good owner. Okay, but we had a good conversation in my last show on Wednesday about these uh, these athletes getting into ownership more and more into ownership more and more into you know getting part of the rev share and rev streams. Michael Jordan was the trailblazer for that, uh, and you know back in 2010 he bought the Charlotte Hornets right and paid 180 million dollars for that. Well, he's now selling his part of that team to the minority owners as a group, and he's getting out. And estimates that he'll make between two and three billion dollars. To get out. That's off like, he owned like 63%. Yeah. 
uh, which means for Michael Jordan now in his career, he made under $100 million in player salary. And this is the idea of getting into ownership. Under $100 million, which no one's sneezing at that, $93 million bucks in player in contract salaries with the Chicago Bulls. But he's now made over $2 billion through Nike and the rev share deal he took there. And now with this ownership sale, he's going to make another $3 billion. So, yes, Michael Jordan capitalizing. Wasn't a very good owner, though. Even Charlotte fans would say, man, we, we love Michael Jordan, but that was not good. That was not good. So he's uh, making money. And uh, that Phoenix Suns trade for Bradley Beal, how about Matt, Matt Ishbia, the new owner of the Phoenix Suns, bought the team for $4 billion, traded for Kevin Durant, fired Monty Williams, hired Frank Vogel, traded away Chris Paul, traded for Bradley Beal. He's been there for, like, s- since March. He's making all the moves. Uh, so we'll see if it works. Remember, he was the walk-on basketball player at Michigan State who's now a billionaire. So. No, I don't, I don't think Bradley Beal is going to hurt your team. I like Bradley Beal. And he's only 29. He's been playing in relative obscurity in Washington, and he's a good player. Uh, he's a great scorer, and he plays better defense than people know. It'd be interesting to see him on a winner, right? That's one thing. He's never been on a team that was really competitive. Uh, and now he's going to get a chance to play with KD. And, with and he does get to play with KD because I always thought it would be in Washington. I thought KD would, up, would KD come home up, someday. Right? Yeah. Well, now KD's got a few more teams to play for. That's, I was thinking the same thing. That's now exactly they got to play yeah. in uh, Phoenix, the desert. Can they? Are they better than Denver? I don't think so, but, man, they're good. They're good. Pretty good threesome right there. Okay, appreciate uh, Jerry Hamilton breaking it down on the recruiting weekend for the Longhorns. Two commitments so far. Also, there was a five-star receiver named Ryan Wingo who was here who they had a good good weekend with. Uh, Jerry also told you about another recruiting weekend that's coming up this weekend that's a big one. We'll include that Duncanville pass rusher, Colin Simmons. So uh, go back and listen to that. Glenn Davis talking soccer. All of our thoughts on a good, bad, and ugly Monday. I drank all my water today. I drank the whole bottle, Ty. Well, you're going to need it. Stay hydrated. Stay in Absolutely. your baby pool. Go climb in that baby pool. Absolutely. Get some ice in that bad boy. Look, stay hydrated, my friend. Stay stay cool. Guys, be careful. It's dangerous out there. Dangerous uh, heat indexes today and tomorrow and through the rest of the week. Uh, Ty, good job. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, any picks for tonight? Come gonna, on, man. I'm going to take off the week, get some prop bets ready for the NBA draft. Wake Forest or LSU tonight? Wake Forest. Ooh, who gets eliminated, Stanford or Tennessee? Stanford's gone. That's a 1 o'clock game today. College World Series tonight. Kind of a must-watch ball game. Wake Forest, Wake Forest LSU winner of that could be you know, the team to beat for the national championship. Y'all have a great uh, Monday night. We'll see you Tuesday morning, 6 a.m.